This episode is brought to you by Wild, the refillable natural deodorant brand totally free from aluminium and parabens, whilst also being 100% cruelty-free and vegan. Lauren, I know you're particularly excited about this sponsor because during lockdown, you told me you stopped wearing deodorant and we're looking for a natural deo for your bio post-lockdown. Yes. And after trialling a lot of different natural brands, this one actually works. It smells heavenly and it's also eco-friendly with all natural ingredients. It's such a genius concept to reduce plastic because once you've ordered your aluminium case, the refills are designed to fit straight through your letterbox and are fully biodegradable. So convenient. And can we talk about how stylish the cases are? Lauren, I know you love your coral case, but I do think my leopard print case is a total vibe. And how cute that they've been engraved with our names, you know in case we forget (laughs) I'll sometimes teach a morning yoga class and then work a full day and teach another class after work and I'm incapable of walking slower than 20 miles per hour I arrive everywhere sweaty so at least now I'll smell good so good so look no further if you're looking for a way to reduce the amount of chemicals you're putting in your body then wild is a reco from us and we want to spread the love. You can get an exclusive 20% off your first wild deodorant purchase on their website, wearewild.com, and use the code WILDBOOK at checkout. Thank you, Wild. idea of this episode I have to admit I was a little bit skeptical because usually if I see a book set in the past I'm like nah not for me (laughs) yeah to be fair historical fiction isn't one of our go-to no it's really not no we're we're very contemporary (laughs) yeah we have a contemporary bias however that said when I started looking at my shelves to see well what book could I even talk about there have actually been a few books that I've read largely this year all set in the past that I just bloody loved yeah well this is why I pitched it because there's some of them that I'm like god I need to be transported back to that time because it was so good and we need to bring it to the pod totally and you know what when 2020 2021 was just a pile of shit I was like take me anywhere yep anywhere anywhere from here I'll take World War 2 whatever (laughs) (laughs) well anyway I don't want to go in like chronological order of years because I want to kick us off with the book that inspired this episode oh you didn't tell me this part I'm intrigued what book sparked this I you haven't guessed (laughs) because by the queen it's the seven husbands of Evelyn Hugo by Taylor Jenkins Reid Oh, I still need to read this. You do. And it's actually set across a few decades, but truly it's like a perfect depiction of 60s Hollywood glamour. And I've been trying to find the perfect episode to reco this in since then I've just made an entire episode about it. 
Got yeah, makes a lot of sense now. I just got so completely lost in it, I just gobbled it up. All right, tell me what it's about. All right. It's about a famous movie star called Evelyn Hugo, who is well known for being married seven times. Hence, the seven husbands of Evelyn Hugo. Bit of a spoiler. (laughs) Spoiler alert. (laughs) Yeah. Um, In the book, a junior reporter called Monique is specifically asked for by Evelyn Hugo to interview her about her life story. And in doing so, reveals the truth about each marriage, the terrible horrors of the film industry, the gorgeous friendships, and most importantly, the true love of her life. Who was it? I can't say. (laughs) That is a spoiler. (laughs) But, ah, oh, Taylor Jenkins Reid just has this way of writing fictional celebrities that make them feel like they're She's a- nailed actually it, real. She? Like, they, they might as well be the Kardashians. Like it is her niche. So, yeah. She, like, she's nailed it. Yeah. And the best thing is that in her books that are about celebs she like she's kind of making up this fake world Mm. that like in Malibu Rising her latest book we'll save that for another day I'll find another topic to talk about that one and make a whole episode about that one but it's about the lives of one of Evelyn's husbands (gasps) yeah she's so good she's she's just made up this amazing fictional world that I'd actually prefer to live in (laughs) and oh god I'm actually going to struggle to talk about this I should have the fact that I've made an episode around it I should have come better prepared but I'm too obsessed with it I've just it's just so good and I actually think because you feel like she's a real celebrity it's like reading an autobiography and so Mm. for that reason I actually think that you should listen to the audiobook because oh, you interesting. you get on better with non-fiction audiobooks and I feel like it would feel like non-fiction like an autobiography yeah I do yeah so tell me a little bit about the character of Evelyn oh Evelyn where to start <laughs> such a cool name as well <laughs> she's just so, well Evelyn Hugo is not her birth name she was destined for fame and so she changed her surname as you do when you are um destined for fame yeah if your name just isn't cool enough you've just got to change it well yeah like Elton John he's not called Elton John what's his name I can't bloody remember I only watched John. Rocket Man the other day it's not even John well if you could pick it's Reggie names, it's Reggie Reginald. Reggie's way cooler than Elton John not gonna not lie not back in the day mate Reggie John it wasn't John <laughs> 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 we should google this now but yeah I'm, I'm like remembering it. his mum in the film calling him Reggie what is Elton John's real name that's what comes up Hercules no that's his fake name it says Elton Hercules no. John <laughs> see that I can right understand right birth name right birth name birth <laughs> <laughs> Okay, it's saying Elson Hercules John again. Google's broken. I know that's not his birth name. Back to the episode. It's from Pino. It's from, from I us. know, he's from our ends. It's from us. That's why he wasn't called Elton John originally, because where we're from, no, no one, one is called Elton John. <laughs> anyway. It's least of all Hercules. Lauren, I've made a whole episode about Evelyn Hugo. Let's talk about Evelyn. Backtrack, backtrack. <laughs> anyway, Evelyn is such a good character. Like, like I've already said about her changing her name, she is so driven and hard-working. Sounds familiar. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Unless you're talking about yourself. <laughs> but she's also, like, the thing I picked up on most in the book is just how 
observant she is like okay. she totally reads all these people that are like trying to manipulate her and use and use her and she just like uses that to her advantage and makes it work for her mm. and she's just marvelous and she gets better with age because obviously at the end like oh, in the okay. present day she's an elderly lady saying all of this to monique oh is that why i love it because she's old <laughs> <laughs> hold ah! a minute <laughs> no it's not it is for the 60s glamour years um, but uh, like an example of how amazing she is one of my favourite quotes that stayed with me is when she says I'm under absolutely no obligation to make sense to you oh yeah she's like that a queen um, from this description I know we've spoken about this book in the past but it kind of gives me City Girls from Elizabeth Gilbert oh the vibe. City of um, City of Girls kind of but Vivian in that book is like she's got no direction she just kind of gets under, like she would get under the spell of Evelyn Hugo got yeah whereas Evelyn is like so sure of who but she is and what she wants is it quite similar like set because it's very yeah they're both glitzy and start like you hear the older person's sort of reflection yeah, on true. their youth. it is like and um, Vivian's life is kind of being told in like letters although I mean they're really long chapters but they are essentially supposed to be bless you Lauren <laughs> I think that might be your first sneeze on the podcast bless me well done to have made it this far what episode is this <laughs> um, so yeah I, I mean there's some similarities with the glitz and glamour but like they're totally different characters and I think this one is slightly more modern I okay. think yeah um, well oh, it sounds fucking awesome it's so good you have to read it I even lent you my bloody book for a bit and you still didn't Shit, read yeah. it yeah it's on my shelf so for a really long that time back. you did <laughs> I took it back to you because I was just like I'm, the pressure of it being on your loaned <laughs> honestly library. I was, I was gonna um, give you a fine were you <laughs> So yeah, I don't know if I've talked about this cohesively at all, but basically just read it because you're so not going to regret it. It's so unique and so well written and so fabulous. So just go read it. Okay, well I might look out for it on Borrowbox. Oh, yeah. That's exactly where you should. recommended it to me from there in the past. Yeah. Okay, so when I floated this episode to you, was there like a book that immediately popped into your head like Evelyn Hugo did for me (laughs) well there was and I'm not sure it entirely fits your brief but I'm going to go with it anyways Hmm. are you ready for this I'll be the judge of that (laughs) (laughs) well it was How to Stop Time by Matt Haig oh yeah that that checks out from the title what era does it take you to well what era doesn't it take you to Jessica it takes you to all of them it's about this main character called Tom Hazard and he may look like an ordinary 41-year-old man, but owing to a very rare medical d- condition, he's been alive since the 1500s. It's a bit like Addie LaRue. Yeah, it is a little bit. That's the invisible life of Addie LaRue that I record in the book bar episode. The book bar episode, yeah. listen to that. So I wouldn't say it necessarily falls under like time travel, although you could probably argue that it's slightly sci-fi. But because Tom's been alive for literally centuries, we sort of go on a journey with him as he reflects on some of his most favourite memories across really um, famous moments in history. Ooh, like what? So along the way he has to sort of adopt different identities and different names because it would look really weird in history books if like this one man just 
turned up in loads of different periods in history so and he looked true. exactly the same and he had the same name. So you should sort of follow him in different names and different periods. And I think one of my favourites is when he meets Shakespeare and he's like just in a pub. He, he plays like this really old instrument that I can't remember the name of. And Shakespeare hears him and, he's, and Shakespeare at the time is like this really not really well-known playwright and he's like oh do you want a gig i'm performing at this theater called the globe do you want to just tag along <laughs> and he's like yeah all right um so he ends up like playing on stage with shakespeare and in this sort of period in time he meets someone i think she's called camille or cam cammy and he falls in love and it's the first time in his life that he's really gotten to know someone long enough for them to realise that there's something dodgy with him because he just doesn't age. So it's quite risky mm. because obviously the period that it's set in, it means he could potentially be outcast, he could be, you know, killed for like witchcraft or something. So he lives like quite a secret life, maybe quite a lonely life as well. But he does fall in love and I'm not going to give too much away because that's sort of what directs the rest of the book and how you follow him from like century to century and oh my god yeah he like meets captain cook and he like goes on a voyage around the world with captain cook how many pages is this it's really short it's quite surprising it's like maybe 300 pages max oh he meets f scott fitzgerald and zelda fitzgerald in a bar in paris and they have cocktails like it's just so yeah every period that you're in with him you're in you're you're in that world so it does like transport you and you're immersed in that totally especially like it's my brief oh brilliant thank you got stars especially the um well all of them but like when you're in a like i think it's like a jazz bar speakeasy in paris with f scott fitzgerald and zelda and they're sort of going through their marriage crisis and f scott fitzgerald buys him a cocktail and yeah you're there it's just so immersive it's so cool um and it's also with all of Matt Haig's books has a really like quite profound moral to the story. Yeah, I've got to say Matt Haig's books aren't for me. Having you read, read one, and I just um, that's my last one. But you read so you, so I read his most recent one, the Comfort, comfort book, book, which we were both sent. And I'll be honest, it's I mean like I really love the idea of the book, and then it's just like kind of a brain dump of like little yeah. thoughts and things he have that brings him comfort but I don't like to be shamed for wanting a six pack like if I want a six pack I'm allowed a six pack yeah. and some of the pages were like nothing feels as good as pizza tastes and I was like I feel like misguided have tweeted this before like, or glamour magazine or whoever and I'm like Matt hey this isn't new information we all love carbs like yeah I just feel like some of it was a bit try hard for me <laughs> I feel like everyone else loves Mike. Potentially, and like it wasn't my favourite book of his at all, and it was quite different to the his usual style. Like, but I do genuinely think I know we're deterring here, but I do genuinely think if you read Reasons to Stay Alive, would it keep me alive? Fucking hell, it's such a powerful book. Even Is my it? dad read it. My dad, who like to this day, I don't think he really believed in depression. He just thought it was like some sort of new concept and you read it and he's like he just 
changed his mind, changed my dad's way of thinking. My dad's like that a six says year a old lot. man. Yeah, because on the scale of Jess to Lauren, he is more Jess than Lauren. But he's like more Jess than Jess. He's more Jess than Jess. He's like, no shit. Okay, um, send me home with reasons to stay alive and right. I will let you know if it changes my opinion of okay. Matt Haig. I, I am aware that I've only read one book so I can't make a judgement. And I'm very happy for you that he's your busy mate. Like, I love that for you guys. <laughs> but for me, he's been... He's got the cut. You're <laughs> such a dick. <laughs> should we get back on topic? No, we're going back on topic. Wait, now, which yeah. era should we travel to next? Oh, where should we go? Oh, it's my turn because you just did one. Okay, yeah, oh, where do you want to okay, take okay, okay, Jess? Hold on to your hats, everybody. Come with me to the 1950s Ooh. because I'm going to discuss this lovely city by Louise Hare. Mm, it's so lovely. It's such a lovely Is read. It lovely? <laughs> it's a lovely city it's lovely so the um, synopsis for you with the war over and London still rebuilding jazz musician Laurie Matthews has answered England's call for labour arriving from Jamaica aboard the Empire Windrush he's rented a tiny room in South London and fallen in love with the girl next door Playing in Soho's jazz clubs by night and pacing the streets as a postman by day, Laurie has poured his heart into his new home and it's alive with possibility until one morning, while crossing a misty common, he makes a terrible discovery. As the local community rallies, fingers of blame point at those who were recently welcomed with open arms and before long, London's newest arrivals become the prime suspects in a charity charity tragedy <laughs> that threatens to tear the city apart. Ooh. doesn't that sound amazing it really does sound amazing and it also sounds really sad it is um, no I, I wouldn't say it's really sad like the whole thing is really gorgeous and like Laurie is just such a perfect protagonist like he's just honest and kind and hard working but then in turn that does like just totally add to your frustration frustration of the police investigation so mm. I don't think it's a spoiler to say that he finds a dead baby in the park right. and because like he's the one that found the baby and because he's one of these new residents from Jamaica the police kind of blame all of his like fellow passengers oh. from the Empire Windrush who have just arrived being like oh you've all brought all this crime with you so it's like really horrible and it like get mm. you so so riled up but actually like it just like it is quite a dramatic book but yeah. equally it feels like quite a leisurely lovely read I keep saying the word lovely <laughs> it is lovely it's, it's in the title it's um it's like it's quite it feels like quite a slow paced read but actually it's full of loads of drama and there's like a huge plot twist towards the end that's not about Laurie it's about Evie the girl he falls in love with oh um and it just yeah I think it's it, like it's about prejudice and family secrets and you will feel like you're at a jazz bar in the 1950s love that yeah and i i, I kind of bought it not really realizing that it was actually classified as historical fiction even though it obviously should because of when it's set yeah but i feel like i associate so many of those books yeah with one of the wars or, or whatever and this was post-war and but i don't know being about the war as yeah. well and not about Oh, yeah. all, the, all the other life there is yeah yeah it's really really lovely <laughs> done it again <laughs> but it's really lovely it's gorgeous I think everybody should read it like okay. don't expect it to be this huge twitty turny thing even though there's loads of drama the the, the enjoyment is that it's nice the story and the to read of it. yeah, yeah. And you're like learning about this period of time and 
the clashes of cultures and it's great yeah and do you remember what rating you gave it at the time i think i gave it a four nice yeah. solid yeah oh and and i think i reviewed it with quite a festive picture with like tinsel and baubles it's not about christmas at all it's just i read it in december <laughs> but i was so smug when it ended on christmas day the last oh, chapter, like the last you chapter set on Christmas Day and I was like, this is, it's all coming together, guys. Because I've taken my picture before we I planned it. it, I planned it. <laughs> yeah, all right, that's that's a record from me. Where am I going to take us to? <gasps> oh, I've got my seatbelt on. <laughs> well, I'm going to take you a little bit forward in time to the 70s. And it is also post-World War II, sort of the aftermath of post of World War II. Okay. And it's a book. That's quite a date aftermath. It is, but you'll you'll understand why when I start talking about it. So it's a book we buddy read read together called Mr. Wilder and Me by Jonathan. Oh, that's all coming together now. So set. Well, actually, um, it's about it's a sort of fictional coming of age about the life and career of Billy Wilder, who's the Hollywood film director. He produce films like some like it hot yes so i read it not really clocking and then was like hang on some like it hot is a real film you can't just make that up and then i googled it i was like oh it's directed by billy wilder okay <laughs> oh okay it's, it, this is this is a real thing <laughs> yeah. um so yeah it's sort of like a, a fictional retelling of billy wilder's life and it's told through the eyes of the protagonist Kalista, who's a young girl from Athens who by chance just ends up wrapped up in Billy Wilder's world and sort of the world of Hollywood. Oh, we're back in the film industry. We're back, baby. And the film, as I said, follows Kalista. Sorry. (laughs) The book follows Kalista. It felt like a film, though, when I was reading it. For me, it felt really visual. Um, And she grew up, like I said, in Greece but now lives in London in the present day with her two grown daughters and her husband. And she's writing musical scores for films, which is a pretty cool job. And although it's set in the present day, she sort of starts to reflect back on life when she was a teenager and when she left Athens for the first time and left her parents for the first time to travel the world. And she headed to America and she was sort of travelling around America and made friends with a girl whilst backpacking and this girl's like, oh, please, will you come along for, like, moral support? My dad's told me I need to go for dinner with this with his old funny-duddy friend. Will you come along? And lo and behold, this friend is none less than Billy Wilder. And Kalista's really, like, big into films, so she's just in total awe of Billy over dinner. And anyways, it turns out that Billy is filming his next film in Greece. So he needs a translator to come on set to help him communicate with the local actors. And Kalista jumps at the opportunity. And before she knows it, she's sort of wrapped up in this Hollywood world and working with Billy Wilder and his production company almost full time, like following them around the world from film to film. So it's really cool. Like you're just on these Hollywood film sets and in the shoes of Kalista, who's really young and naive to the whole of the whole experience. And just, you know, she sort of falls in love along the way. And it's quite, you know, it's just quite lighthearted and just really... Sunshine Hollywood, if 
that kind of makes sense. Like, it's like... Yeah, you feel like you're on a film set, like, on location. Totally. And, um, but the reason I say it's sort of a post-World War um, film is because because it's set in the 70s, there is a sort of heartbreaking storyline where Billy Wilder, as he starts to get older, he starts reflecting on the trauma of growing up in World War II in Germany and his family were torn apart by the Holocaust. Oh my God, I completely forgot about that whole bit. Yeah. And it's written as a script, isn't it? Yeah, That yes. bit of the book. Because he wrote a film about the Holocaust. Oh my God. Um, but no one would produce it. And I think it was him at the beginning of his career. He like he never found out what happened to his mother during the Holocaust. Yeah. He um, lost touch with her. So there's this really, really moving part of the book. I almost said script, um, where he's almost like trying to look for his mother in yes. old Holocaust footage. Um, so that was just really moving, and then it takes you like back to the present day of now where Kalista is back in her London home with her family and her girls and so there's like this story it's all about family I guess and uh, the relationship you know between your your parents and parents with their children and like having a life before yeah yeah exactly um so the author Jonathan Coe could have made this book entirely just about directing and films and, you know, Hollywood lifestyle, but I really admired how important he gave the landmarks in history of the period that it's set. I just thought it was woven in really, really beautifully. Yeah. It was, it's, I mean, yeah, to be honest, it is like nothing I've read before. Yeah. Yeah. It was nice. That's... <laughs> you got on with it better than I... Like, I feel like Not it really... Not It was nice. It was lovely, it was nice. It really transported you, and I just it had did. a nice time. Yeah. 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 It was good. Okay. Where are you going? The 90s, baby! Mm. Oh, yeah! So, yes. I feel like any book set in the 90s is going to be very... It's a winner. ...transportive yeah. for millennials. And Saltwater by Jessica Andrews is the one okay actually hang on whilst i'm on millennials can i just say that i feel like ever since dolly alderton's memoir everything i know about love where she talked about msn culture yeah i feel like a lot of authors think that just by mentioning msn MSN. they're gonna write a bestseller totally it's in every book now it's lazy (laughs) it's lazy is what it is (laughs) (laughs) msn culture could be a genre of its own i mean I am here for it. Emerson Day's work. I excellent. do a little, little bit love it, yeah. But um, I, I hundred percent hear you there. Yeah, I feel like everyone just kind of adds whip it, it out. in, and they're like, "Oh, everyone's gonna love this." Because it's like it's so everyone funny. remembered it at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Like we forgot about it for years, and then we're like, "Fuck me!" Remember those days? Yeah, remember. Brb, appearing offline and coming back online to tell people you were online <laughs> and all those fun things. Best friends in your. Oh, in your like, what was his name? What was it called? Yeah, the little thing at the top where some people would put what they were listening to, but I never did because I was only listening to cringy songs. I was like, not cool enough. <laughs> anyway, anyway, you digress. Saltwater is not included in that generalization from me because it is gorgeous. The premise is kind of hard to summarize, 
but I'm going to read my review that I posted at the time of reading the book because I think I might have nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> Not one to toot my own horn, but... No, I was like, right, let's, it. it must have made sense to me about then. Right, so um, it's about Lucy, and she grew up in the north, but dreaming of a life in London. Um, but when she lands a place at a university in the capital city, she finds it overwhelming. And then when things come to a head on her graduation, she takes off for Ireland to reside in her late granddad's cottage, slowly looking back on her life so far and wondering who she really is. Oh, oh it's gorgeous. It's really hard to put down because it is written in passages that are like a paragraph long. Right. And they bounce around between past and present, which should make it really confusing, but it really makes sense like you're never really lost you're just enjoying the passage and you're like oh okay I'm obviously in Ireland at this point oh okay, okay. I'm back at university in London oh I'm up in the north I'm Go growing up with my mum like it's just really easy to be taken around and it's just such a gorgeous nostalgic read I was just frequently taken back to moments of my life reminiscing like Lucy um, about wearing clear mascara why did we do that I don't know but should we do it again is that it's good? almost like hair mascara. What the? F- oh my what god! Was those glittery strips of hair. I mean, that was awful because it made your hair really clunky. Yeah, yeah. But, but what is the point of clear mascara? I guess so that Ask when you cry, it, <laughs> when you cry, it doesn't run black. Well, that's waterproof mascara. Look, there was no point to it. it just made your eyelids look like glue. Right. we won't bring it back to <laughs> how about I mean this also should not be brought back but downloading songs on LimeWire oh my god oh, so good before Spotify came along and made our musical experience so much easier and legal and legal <laughs> LimeWire was not legal <laughs> do you remember you just like download it on your phone and like bluetooth it to your friend oh my god it was so good do you remember like being on buses and then getting a notification like someone on the bus wants to oh, bluetooth something god, to you yeah and you'd be like oh my god who is it who do we think it is and then you'd get like inappropriate images from like old men yeah i think someone once sent me the um london underground song do you remember that song oh my god what a tune such a tune the greedy bastards want extra pay for sitting on their arse all day london underground <laughs> I am taken back to the 90s, guys. And I'm, wow. actually, I'm taking you with me, Lauren. I want right. to read a few quotes that are like... Oh, my God, yeah, okay. I tab loads of pages, but yeah. just close your eyes okay. and imagine you're there. She's actually closed her eyes, everybody. I'm rolling with it. Yeah, I'm getting comfy. <laughs> okay. First quote. I tracked through profiles for the kind of person I wanted to be, saving pictures of emo scenes just with leopard print hair and cutting and pasted... Cutting and pasting sepia indie girls with dolly beads clasped around their neck. Are you not taken back to MySpace right now? I am victimised by that statement. The dolly beads around the neck. Yeah. I mean, I was never one of the emo scene kids. I I just couldn't pull that off. But that's true, actually. I was I wasn't cool enough to be. But I remember that period yeah. very, very the well. The fringes. The fringes. The side fringes. So big. My driving licence, I renewed it, but it was in the pandemic and I was too lazy to take a new picture. So I've renewed it for another 10 years with oh, my sweet fringe. So I still have my huge sweeping fringe because I was that lazy. And we've got to keep it alive. Oh, so good. Do you not remember that looking on MySpace and everyone was like doing roar with their yeah. hands? Yeah. 
What a Why? time. What a time to be alive, yeah, Lauren. What a time. Okay, close your eyes, not All a quote. Right. <laughs> your eyes are closed. Oh, this one really tracks with my Dido obsession that I previously mentioned in the Rose Where is Dido now? <laughs> I haven't actually checked on her this week, I should. <laughs> but yeah, I mentioned that in the Rose Napolitano episode, and here's a quote that obviously I tabbed in Saltwater. I bought her Life for Rent by Dido for her 39th birthday. We took the lyric sheet out of the CD case and looked at the pictures of Dido with her feathered hair and bootcut jeans and dreamed that that was what our futures would look like. Oh Don't you remember God. taking those things out of CD cases? To learn the lyrics and then, like, singing along to a song with the lyrics in your hand and then, like, rewinding, start again, play it. So you'd learn yeah. all the songs. Yeah, S Club 7, I have strong memories of that. I remember doing looking that on at Rachel Stevens. Oh yeah, I had a Jerry Halliwell tape cassette that also had her rendition of These Boots Are Made For Walking. Banger. So good. But yeah, I ca- like totally forgot that like CDs were a thing and that they used to have these great little flippy out books in them with all the lyrics. And then MP3 players, do you remember those? I do. Tiny little like USB sticks. Hang on, you're missing out Walkman's. You'd walk around with this like CD shaped size thing that's just not portable. <laughs> but I genuinely reckon, you know, like hoodies now that, well, hoodies have that big pocket in the for front. For Walkmans! I'm pretty sure it's for Walkmans. Why else would you need pockets that big? And we just haven't adapted, we haven't made them smaller. Oh my god, that might be the smartest thing you've ever said to me. What a thought process. I think that a lot of the time. Every time I put my hands in a big hoodie pocket, hoodie like, 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 this is I where my wall is in here. <laughs> oh my god. I mean, aside from all the nostalgia in this book, the, the writing is really gorgeous. Mm. I, I, like, I tabbed so many pages. This is another quote that doesn't necessarily take you back, but I just want to leave off with because it's super lovely. Um, it says, I like you best in the mornings when you are naked, your face lightly lined and your skin red and blotchy, belonging to me before the mask of your day. Oh, that's beautiful. You should read this. You would tab loads of quotes. Oh, I think I want to read this now. Okay, I'll learn it It's making to you. me feel really nostalgic and I've not read it. Yeah, I've, I'll learn it to you, but like, there'll be a fine if you don't give it back to me like you did for the UK. Could I listen to this in Audible? Oh my God, such a great shout. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to give it a go. But you can't tab on Audible. Oh, fuck. (laughs) We're giving you a chance to win an August Books That Matter box, which has a hot book summer theme. It's full of goodies to give you the perfect summer reading experience and a copy of His Only Wife by Peace Abbey There are two ways to enter. If, like me, get your podcasts on Apple, then subscribe, leave a rating and review, and make sure to use your Instagram handle as your nickname on the review. If, like me, you listen on Spotify or anywhere else, then follow the podcast and share a screenshot on your Instagram stories and tag at BookRecco so you can count your entry that way. Entries for the August box are open until Monday the 30th of August, and the winner will be announced on our Instagram on Wednesday the 1st of September. Remember, if you're listening to this at a later date, then you might not be entered in to win the August box, but good news, it's a monthly competition, so you can re-enter to win the current month's box. Thank you so much for listening. See you next week.